0: blessed to be here tonight, right? Let's, uh, let's give God the glory. Let's uh, get our Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 15. And we're going to focus on uh, verses 1 through 6. You're like, man, Evan, we've been in Romans forever. I know. Uh, I understand that. But the, the one another passages, we've got several towards the last three chapters or so in the book of Romans. And so that's what we're focusing on. Um, I think the beauty of it is I don't have to go through the context over and over because we're dealing with the same issue. I should say that Paul is dealing with the same issue. The end of Romans. Now, before we get there, you tell me what is the issue that Paul is dealing with towards the end of the book? You were dealing with some Christians in regards
1: to being strong or weak in the faith.
0: Yes, yeah, strong and weak in the faith. Okay. What does he mean by those who are stronger in faith and those who are weaker in faith? Exactly. So Paul's going to use these two phrases. Of course, it doesn't mean one has greater faith and one has less. It's just a way of him utilizing that phrase to say to some people, their conscience tells them it's okay to do certain things in the realm of Christian liberty and
1: Christian freedom.
0: While others are going to say, you know what? I can't be a part of that. It just, to me, I can't do it, right? And so who's right and who's wrong? I am, right? No, that's not right. (laughs) Now the point is Really, God has left that open. However, I'm going to, for the benefit of my brother or sister, try to walk my Christian walk that really is encouraging and building them up, and not so much as I'm holding on to my opinions, my views, um, and we're trying to work because has God accepted both the strong and the weak Christian? Absolutely. So I'm not to build a wall and reject the person that Christ has accepted. Does that make sense? Great job, guys. Okay, so let's see. Going back to chapter 14 in verse number 1, what word does Paul use? I said Christian liberty. I said Christian, Christian freedom. What, what word does Paul use as a title over these two matters? Opinions. Do Opinions. you guys see that? Uh, Ray, would you read
1: verse 1 for us, please? As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel
0: over opinions.
1: Now, what two specific
0: um, areas does Paul identify as these opinions? I
2: just want to out. I know we all use the same Bible. Uh, I would say doubtful things, not opinions.
0: Doubtful things? Okay. Read read verse 1 in yours. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Doubtful things, things that can come into question, right? That's the idea It's things that can come to it's things that you can't necessarily nail down because it's kind of a fluid deal based on who you talk to. So, okay, so what two matters does he s- specify? Days and food. Now, if you look at verse number two, it says one person believes he may eat, right? We could circle that and say that's, that's the first thing he's going to address, Second thing he addresses in the realm of opinion or Christian freedom um, is in found in verse number five. One person esteems one day as better than another. So he specifies these two, and this is what he's really going to work on, but the area of application is made a lot broader, right? You think about different areas in which some of us would hold on to these um, convictions, and, um, and, and that may bother us. Uh, some are okay with it. So there's a lot of application, and, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, this is not the easiest thing to study, is it? Because you're dealing with emotion. You're dealing with a certain view that you have, and the, the most, most times than not, it's been a long time that you held a view or a conviction, and so we understand that. And, and all, all the while, here's tonight's lesson, this is where we're going to hone in on. Is regardless of where we stand, regardless of our view in these realms of opinion in Christian liberty, our goal is to be of the what? Amen. The same mind. And what does that same mind consist of? Christ. The mind of Christ. It's not truth, it's not opinion. Yes. Yes. What does God want me to pursue as a member of the body of Christ? He wants me to pursue helping to build others up. Right? There's a bunch of answers you could have given me there. We haven't gone through the context yet of verses 1 through 6. But if you've ever read through God's psychology book, the book of Philippians, you will see over and over this phrase, will you not? Philippians, you ought to be of the same mind. Well, why is that so important, church? Why is it so important to have this? Is it really a big deal? Why? For the sake of unity for the sake of unity. Does anybody, okay, help me out with application. My mind immediately goes to sports, right? And you guys are aware of that. The beginning of a season, it doesn't matter what sport that I joined, before we ever got on to the field or the courts or the mats, we always as a team sat around and we, we did this. What is our goal? And we would write it out, and you know some coaches were more corny than others, and how they would kind of get this out of us. But we had to come up with, as the team, what our goals are as a team. Not an individual, but as a team. And that was what really motivated us. And that coach, if he used it correctly, he would keep bringing up what we came up with as a team, and putting that right before us again. You know, um, any thoughts before we move on from there? But being of the same mind, how can unity, real unity, be achieved when all of us are holding our own personal views?
2: Well, it's like, it's like in sports, like your illustration. And what I was always told at the beginning of the season was, let's, what you have no losing season. What did the coach always say? Let's get back to basics. Yeah. So, what's the basic concept of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to that. And therefore we have unity because we know the foundation.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. How many times do we get stuck in the weeds? You get stuck in the weeds, you're dealing with you know, these minuscule things, right? But in the grand scheme of things this is really not that important. You know, whether whether Evan uh, chooses to wear a three-piece suit on Sunday or what um, I think it was Neil told me. He says, when you told me that uh, on Sunday, he goes, it reminded me of the hometown I grew up in. Everybody, every male in the congregation, they wore overalls. They were all farmers. And he said, you know what? I was too young to, to really you know, take that on myself. I helped out. He said, you know what I did that with uh, the money I saved up that week? I went out and bought some overalls.
1: <laughs>
0: so he's sitting in the congregation. He's wanted to just look at us. You know, He's wanted to be a part of the group. But... Is God going to say, you know, you guys with three-piece suits. Not okay. You, you guys with, with the overalls, you coming in with jeans and a shirt, and, you know, how many times do those little things, we get caught up in that? Rather than seeing the big picture, you know, ooh, I don't know if they'll listen to me. I, they got some ears pierced. They got some tattoos. They have got... They, they, don't want, they don't want to hear the gospel message. I'm letting the little things kind of take over. And exactly what, what Kent said is, sometimes we just got to get back to the basics. You know, and we allow these things to really be that obstacle, and which is what he calls, he makes it as an obstacle. It can be, at least, which is what Satan wants. You know, how does Satan feel when we're all in here, instead of accomplishing the Lord's will, we're over here fussing and fighting over little things. What's he doing over there? He's loving every minute of it. So the idea is trying to get back to, ultimately, what is the resolution? What is the way in which we avoid those pointless quarrels, he says in verse number one. Other books of the New Testament will talk about the same deal. James, chapters, uh, I think it's chapter three, he says, Man, you guys guys are fighting more as the Lord's church than, than the world is out there. And it's all fruitless. It doesn't make any sense. Um, do you remember what, um, what Jesus said in response to being uh, called a prophet that's working by the power of Beelzebub? He says, what kingdom that fights against each other, what kingdom is going to flourish, basically? Because of a kingdom, one end fight against the other, what's the result of it? It's going to fall. It's going to be destroyed. And so that's the idea here, is trying to get on the same page... Um, and trying to work in a way that's encouraging, and we dealt with that already, building up instead of tearing down other folks. Um, and uh, does that make sense? Any thoughts or questions before we get into verse 1 here? Kind of just getting us back into to where we are,
1: where we find ourselves. Paul repeats it in Ephesians chapter 5. Yeah, go ahead and read that
0: for us. If you're thinking of the verse I'm thinking of.
1: One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Of all, who is over all, and through all, and
0: in all. Yes.
1: Think about that. There
0: is one Lord who is over all. So whose church does it belong to? Not us. It belongs to Christ. So he's already made that statement thoroughly in chapters 13 and 14 in Romans. And he says, Jesus is Lord. In other words, not you guys. Not us. So my preference is, should not be made to cover everybody else in the realm of these opinions. Because I'm not Lord, Jesus is. So that's a great point there. And, and I'm sure we can, other, other parts of the New Testament are maybe popping into your head. That's great because, you know, it's the same guy that's writing it. <laughs> it's not a different guy. It's a wonder that some of these critics will say, Paul didn't write Romans, or Paul didn't write Ephesians. And you look at the way in which he's writing, it's the exact same way um, in which he's doing it. But... All right, anything else before we get into the passage? All right, would somebody read that for us? Uh, Romans 15, verses 1 through 6. Nice and loud, please. Yeah, Linda?
1: to be, ought to hear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his goal to his edification, for his good. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For wh- whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Let's get one more in there. That's just hanging out by itself. For
1: accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God.
0: Okay, thank you. Wow, what a great passage, right? And I understand there's a little bit of overlap that we're going to go over, but hey, I think it's important. So when talking about this idea of being of the same mind, what are some requirements in your mind? that is needed to be of the same mind. What are some requirements? You
2: have to study so that you know
0: what's what. Oh, yes. How familiar should I be with the text, with God's Word, with God's teachings, to know which areas that I'm really convicted on, right? And and uh, here's, here's something that I had to work through, you know? As a new Christian going off to Bear Valley, and man, just trying to drink water from a fire hose, that's what it was like as a new Christian And coming out of Bear Valley, I still hadn't developed my own, my own, how I see it, right? I didn't want to just say, okay, here's what I was told, and I'm going to believe that. No. So, honestly, it took me about three or four years, and that's exactly what I was doing, Miss Libby, is I would do this day and night to figure out where I stand and what I see the Bible teaching. And so, you can see, has anybody been able to... If you've ever taught something to somebody, it doesn't have to be biblical uh, or Bible-related, I should say. If you ever taught something to somebody else, you didn't really understand it,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> and you're trying to teach it, and you find out, and you're like, "Does that make sense?" And they're like, "Uh, it makes no sense," because you haven't really established it in your own mind. That's like me trying to listen to, to Brother Wasey tell me about engineering, biomed, engineering stuff. I'm like. No clue what you're talking about, you know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm like, that sounds great. You know, I have no question to follow up with, you know. But on the other hand, have you been able to 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 communicate something that you know front and back? You know, I I said this over and over that to this day, you know, I could I I could just answer a phone like I was still working at the hotels that I did for so many years, you know? It's on the back, it's tattooed into my mind. So being able to teach those, man, I feel confident in it. You know? So, your study of God's Word helps you to come to your own personal convictions. Does that make sense? And that's so important because how are you going to fight for something you don't fully believe in? How are you going to fight for something you're not fully convicted about? We had brought up this the legislation about the abortion being possibly overturned? Do you believe that's important or not? Right, for those who don't study that out and don't really think about the sanctity of life, the beauty of life, whether the person is a hundred year years old or two weeks old, there's sanctity, but I haven't studied that out. How convicted am I? And as a result, how willing am I to fight? For, the, for these babies. Does that make sense? Any thoughts on that? I think that's a great point. It wasn't the first that came to my mind, but I'm thankful you thought of it, because, man, that makes a lot of sense. Miss Carol and then Russ. Prayer. Now we'll come back to this. Russ, you had something?
1: I, the concept with the study, there's this high product that comes out in the board because it says, through the patient's Yes. There's comfort
0: as you learn and know the truth. I'm going to use the word hope because that's the word he uses there. Which is interesting because if you look down at verse number four, at the, where it says hope, the way in which that's utilized in the original language, literally here's the definition. So that we may keep on having hope. It's a continual, it's a continual result. The more that I'm going back to scripture, the hope never dies how awesome is that now when i stop going to scripture <laughs> my visual my my availing myself to that hope now that's affected the hope's still there christ is always there but my benefit of him and being secured and having peace and hope and, and all those things that's affected but study can give me knowledge right and that's great But knowledge alone doesn't do anything, right? What is Paul saying in 1 Corinthians? Love conquers all. Mm -hmm. Right? Love is above all. So having that hope, the more that I'm in God's Word, I'm not just parsing uh, uh, Greek verbs apart, but man, to really study, uh, I was studying with uh, Samuel before class tonight, and we were looking at 1 Samuel where it was talking about Hannah and the predicament Hannah was in. To know that she was... She had the inability to conceive a child, and she was being ridiculed and mocked by another woman. Her husband had, had, because of her inability to conceive, he went out and got another wife. How would that make you feel? You know, When all you want to do in the heritage and the lineage is so important in that culture, and what does she do as a kind of this, God, I'm crying out to you. If you give me a son, I promise you, I will give him to you. And so God grants her that wish, and she's able. The moment that he's weaned off breast milk, she takes him to the temple, and he's dedicated as a servant for his life. How much hope does that give you in your life? We didn't we didn't parse any Greek terms just now, <laughs> right? Now there's time and a place for that. But you read through that, and how does that affect you today? Is anybody in a predicament? Does anybody have any health issues right now? Does anybody have any trials? How does Hannah help us? She gives us hope because of how God had kept His promise to her. Make sense? Any thoughts on that? Okay. So we've got study. We've got prayer. How else do we achieve this? And I love that we're looking back at the context because this is where we're getting these answers from. Yeah, Ken?
2: I would say a key component to being of the same mind encompassing all those is fellowship with one another. Mm.
0: Spending time... With your brothers and sisters. I I don't think we can emphasize that enough, especially today. How important is it to have relationships with with brothers and sisters outside of the outside of the assembly? Right? And we had dedicated dedicated a whole class to that, but man, how much easier would it be for me to humble myself, which is what I think another thing is, humility. When I'm around somebody that I didn't really know their whole story about. You ever gotten to know a brother or sister and you didn't know they were in that predicament? You didn't know that's what they had to deal with, but you like, once you know, you're like, wow, I didn't know that in here this whole time. I was thinking this, and you know, to know that, uh, man, I didn't know that you were a single mother raising three kids, and I didn't know that, uh, you know, you had been left, and, and your faith is what kept you. Now do you think it's a little bit easier for me to have the humility and to strive for that? It's important to get to know one another, isn't it? Okay? Any other?
2: Um, serving?
0: Okay. Service. Absolutely. I'll hold off on that comment, but I just want to say, these are such great things. Uh, before we, again, having time to chit-chat with, uh, with our visitor tonight, he, he said that uh, he had gone up multiple times to Fort Defiance to haul wood and to chop wood. And uh, I bet you that he would tell you that the guys in which you served with up there, you get back home and your relationship's a whole lot closer. How many times have you grown to know somebody simply because you're serving with them? Man, that, that really does... That goes really hand in hand with relationships, I think. So, you are both, again, what's making us serve together? How, why would I get up? Why would I get up in the middle of the summer, eight o'clock in the morning, we got a group here and we're doing an outreach to the Pima Why on earth would I give up a day off? To, to hang out here, to go knock doors, and it's already 100 degrees at eight o'clock in the morning, Why in the world would I do that? Well, if I had the same mind as them, and I see the necessity to go out and teach and tell people about our Lord, if I've got that mind, hey, I'm there. I'm there. And so, you know, that's very important there. Yeah, love and desire. So, you know, obviously, we see a list of necessities. Now... Let me ask you this. How easy is it to, to, to achieve these? <laughs> How easy is it? It's not. Because we last class, we went over all of our backgrounds. How many of us come from the same type of home? How many of us come, with the same, come from the same type of belief system? How many of us come from a, I mean, man, it's hard enough for a husband and a wife, right, to be one flesh sometimes. Two people, let alone a whole congregation, coming from different backgrounds, different beliefs. The only way this can be secured is if this is our goal, our same mind. Obviously, it's not ours. It's Christ's, right? So look at verse number one. Look at verse number one. We'll do some, some picking apart of these passages here. He says, we who are strong, interesting that he clumps himself up with uh, those who are strong. Have an obligation. I don't like that word, do you? Obligation, what does that mean? If I'm obligated, do I have a choice in the matter? I don't. It's a responsibility. It's a task given to me. You are obligated to do this and that. But he says to the strong, we have an obligation to bear the failings of the weak. What's interesting is that word f- that, that, uh, that's there means to bear. It has the, the idea of to put up with. To put up with. Some, some translations may say long-suffering. I don't like that word either, do you? So what would cause me to put up with something that I don't particularly agree with? Again, in the area of my opinion, right? Yeah, Kent?
2: the the leveling factor in all of this going let's go back to romans earlier when in romans 3 23 where he says all have sinned yes. and fallen short that is a leveling <laughs> factor where no one is greater than another so we all can deal with each other on the same playing field the yeah. same level of the playing field.
0: yeah i love that
2: so we it's humility it's because there's no position like the apostles always who's going to sit at your right hand
0: we're not struggling for that yeah isn't isn't that amazing that jesus christ is the ultimate leveler of people that it doesn't matter again your background where you sit in your position ranking at work you know how many mileages you have on your on your american express card uh, that has a whole new meaning now and now that kent's with us you know i can use some of those but Whatever your position is in the world, you come to Christ, guess what? You need the blood of Christ just as much as I do. I need the blood of Christ just as much as you do. So there is no raising up. There is no getting puffed up like Paul gets on the Corinthians about. In the end, I need Christ just as much as you do. The first chapter of Romans, he's getting on the Gentiles. Why are you worshiping the created rather than the creator? I can imagine those who are coming out of Judaism like, yeah, tell them, Paul. They need to hear it. Second chapter, what does he do? Switches over to, the, to the, those coming out of Judaism. He says, and you. So he gets on both. Then he gets to chapter 3, and verse 23. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need Christ the exact same. We are hopeless without him. Does that make sense? And so I think that's important. What causes me to bear or put up with a person that holds a different opinion in these areas? My love for them? Right? Uh, For those who are married, how much do you and your spouse share the same opinions in everything? And whoever puts their hand up, yeah, I wish, right? We wish, right? Man, there are some things that, that just bug my wife about me. And as much as I try, man, I keep doing it. I keep doing it. One of the big things was uh, I liked medium rare steaks. I just loved it. And she didn't. She didn't. And we would cook uh, her steaks for her. And she's like, throw it on there some more. You know, what is this? And it was just to have to work through that, that's just one area. I mean, you could probably think of many, but in the areas of opinion, how do we put up with one another? Well, obviously, we love. It's called a burnt offering. It's called a offer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but in the area of opinion, you know, I can imagine my wife turning over in the morning and staring at how I look when I'm still just completely exhausted, my mouth probably wide open, I probably don't look too attractive at that point, but why is she continuing to do this? Long-suffering. Long suffering. How? How? How is that achieved? Well, when you understand the agape love, then you understand it's not based on my feelings. It's not based on how, I view my opinion at that time. It is a choice love. It is a self-sacrificing love that even though I may not feel this way, I'm going to choose to love them anyway. Amen? And that's how it's achieved. So I love that that, that word there, to bear. It means to put up with. But he says, the strong you are to bear with the failings of the weak and not to, yeah.
1: So it goes back to this about me yes
0: yeah you beat me you beat him right to it because he says that he ends that with the verse and not to please ourselves so what's the attitude needed to have the same mind humility that's the attitude and guess what guys i saw this on a shirt at the gym today it said attitude is free guess what it doesn't cost a dollar to have the right attitude attitude is free how do I achieve humility? Is I'm comparing, you, wanna, you, wanna, you have a struggle being humble? Compare yourself to Jesus. You'll be humble very quick. Too many times we compare ourselves with a, another person. And, 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 and we could choose somebody and say, man, at least I'm not that bad. You know, man, I'm not there anymore. And we can kind of gloat and we can get puffed up. But compare yourself to Jesus. Compare yourself to Jesus Christ. There is no flaw in him. Matter of fact, we see ourselves getting smaller and smaller. How in the world am I supposed to be perfect like him? I can't. It's impossible. And so the humility is achieved. Okay, now that my mind's right, okay, what do I got to do today? What, what can I do to serve? <laughs> What can I do to love my spouse today? What can I do to, to have the same mind with others in the congregation that, that I may not see eye to eye with in all of these areas? Right? Any thoughts or questions? That
1: takes me back to when Jesus got at the temple and saw the Pharisee praying and said, Lord, thank you that I'm not like
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's that's the big one there. and And isn't it the truth that all of us Several points in our lives, though, though we may not use those exact exact same words, it's there. The heart, the heart, it has that in there, and so the struggle is is real. The struggle is there, and man, for some of us, uh, that that that's a lot easier temptation for us to grab onto, and it takes us away. Arlinda. I've heard it like you're dragging around a dead body. I mean if that's the dead Evan, imagine literally pulling that around, the stench, the, the what it looks like, what it feels like. I mean, you know, that's that's disgusting. But when we refer back to that former lifestyle so much, even though I've died to it, I'm dragging that body around. So he says, that the attitude is not to please ourself. My attitude is I'm trying to please other people. I'm trying to serve other people. Verse number two, let each of us please his neighbor. So here's the second half of that. Is it just enough to not please myself? Hmm. Is, it, is that enough? So not only do I stop trying to please self, what do I fill that with? Pleasing the neighbor. Does that make sense? It, it, that's a, it's, it, it, it's a simple but it's profound and it's all throughout Scripture. For anybody that's, that's coming out of addiction, right, they'll teach you in order to stop that. Let's say, let's say I stop that and I'm really I'm doing well. I've been sober for about a month now and things are going the right direction. Um, but you know what? I just find myself at home doing nothing. I find myself kind of getting bored. Well, reality is it's only a matter of time before I start filling that up. Unless I do what? I fill that void. Is that like the wineskins? Is that... I might confuse that with another uh, concept? You remember when uh, when Jesus tells a parable of the man that had an unclean spirit? And it says that he got rid of the unclean spirit and swept clean his mind and his heart, and it says, the Spirit was roaming around, and it comes back and it says, whoa, look at this. Nice and clean. Matter of fact, there's even more room for seven, seven more. And because he did not fill, the teaching is because he didn't fill it with goodness and godly things, the Spirit came back, and with came, came back with even more. And so the idea of not just letting go, but feeling that void. Paul says, you take off, and then you instead of not having anything on he says you put on certain attributes. So the concept is, is explained a little different, but it's throughout scripture. So in order to have the same mind, I stop thinking about Evan, but instead of just staying there, I also, the next step would be, now think of other people. You see that's kind of, he takes it to a second level. I can imagine myself saying, oh yeah, I, I've done that ball. Yeah, I thinking about myself. Assuming I'm done. And you get to verse 2 and it says, okay, so now think about other people. Ah, I thought it was good. So there's always work to be done. There's always room to grow. And we got about a minute left here. He says in verse 3, for Christ, ultimately, here's our example. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproach you fell on me. Now, that's a reference to Psalm 69 in verse number 9, where, the, uh, where King David is, is referring to himself as, as the type of Christ, before Christ would come. But I want to close here, verse number 3. For Christ did not please himself. What does that mean? What does he mean by that?
2: I think of the Garden of Gethsemane. Sure. And then he says, "Not my will, but yours be done."
0: And then what did he do? Sure, absolutely. Any other thoughts? I think there's a lot of answers that you know could be right here, right? So there's in the garden, Carol.
2: Um, Jesus thought of others over himself.
0: Okay, specifically when it came to probably his his life, right? Did any any other areas come up to you, pop up into your mind?
1: In the first marriage we did. He did it for his mom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely so so there's a few points in jesus's I don't want to say life because you remember he made the decision before anything was created Philippians chapter two for for Jesus didn't consider his, you know his 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 where he seated in the heavenly realm something to be grasped or held on to. Let's end in Philippians chapter two. Kent had brought this up already um and this is kind of where my mind my, my mind goes. But uh, Philippians chapter 2, and uh, let's see, verse number 3. Somebody read that for us, and I'll stop you along the way.
2: Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own person's interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which, also, which was also in Christ Jesus, who... Although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the like likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
0: Christianity is the only worldview in which the God in which we serve never asks us to do something He's not done Himself. Why are we striving to have the mind of Christ? Well, in order to achieve that, we need to study. We need to pray. We need to have great relationships. We need to be humble. We need to serve. We need to love. We need to have the desire to please the Father. Who's done all of these and done them completely perfect? Jesus will never ask us to do something he's not done himself. I think that is the beauty. One of the greatest truths. As I Think about myself coming out of a a world different worldview that nothing else has to offer. And that is tremendous. That he's able to say, Do as I have done, not do as I say. I think that's such a powerful statement there. Any final thoughts or comments? So you see, just reading that few that small passage in Philippians, you see how many things were almost the same point. In some ways, those phrases were almost word for word, right? So Philippians 2, um, 1 Corinthians 11, um, those passages have almost the same, but, but, the, but ultimately the goal is to have the mind of Christ. So just like a marriage, that if the husband is striving for a closer relationship with God and the wife is striving for a closer relationship with God, the reality is the closer that they're pursuing God, the closer they will be together. He is the drawing point. So if I'm trying to please God better, He's going to tell me, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Serve her. Sacrifice for her. And if my wife's doing the same, and and she's doing, as Scripture teaches, the result is we will be closer. I'm not pulling away, but if our goal is the same, God will draw us together. He'll make us closer. Right? All righty, guys, if we could get some songs ready to go.